Saturday, April the 30th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, Donbass offensive quote behind schedule and Wall Street's cruelest month. First, the week in brief. The Pentagon said Russia's assault in the Donbass was, quote, behind schedule, hobbled by logistical problems and Ukrainian resistance. Russian forces, quote, meant to be much further along in the total encirclement and are, quote, nowhere close to linking north with south, said an American official. They have resorted to, quote, dumb bombs rather than precision guided ones, owing to shortages. America also revealed that it is training Ukrainian soldiers in Germany, as well as in two other undisclosed locations outside Ukraine. Russia raced to avert a default on its sovereign debt on Friday, dipping into its dollar reserves to make payments on a pair of euro bonds. Their grace period ends on May 4th. Meanwhile, its central bank lowered its benchmark interest rate to 14%, noting that the quote, risks for price and financial stability are no longer rising. Rates had been raised to 20% shortly after the start of the war. Capital controls have strengthened the ruble and tempered consumer price inflation. The bank expects Russia's GDP to shrink by 8-10% to this year. Wall Street took a beating, with the tech-heavy Nasdaq composite ending Friday down by 4%, and the whole of April by 13%, its worst monthly performance since 2008. The S&P 500 dropped by nearly 9%, its sharpest fall since March 2020. Amazon led the route after revealing a quarterly loss and underwhelming sales forecasts on Thursday. Investors also bristled at the prospect of rising rates and persistent inflation. A blast tore through a mosque in Kabul during weekly prayers, killing at least 50 worshippers. It was one in a series of attacks against Afghan civilians during the month of Ramadan. The local branch of Islamic State has claimed responsibility for others. Friday's victims were Sunnis, but engaged in a Sufi practice frowned upon by IS ideologues. The governing Taliban and the UN both condemned the massacre. A Ukrainian journalist, Vera Hyrich, was killed during Russia's missile strike on Kyiv on Thursday when her apartment block was hit. Several others were injured. Russia claims that its target was a plant that manufactures missiles. Germany condemned the attack, which occurred while the UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, was visiting the city as, quote, inhumane. Wages and benefits in America rose by 1.4% in the first quarter of 2022 from the previous quarter. Employment costs were up by 4.5% year over year. The rapid wage growth contributing to inflation put added pressure on the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. Consumers, meanwhile, seem somewhat unaffected by inflation as of yet. Inflation-adjusted consumer spending unexpectedly rose in March. 
A report ordered by the British Virgin Islands Governor condemned the Caribbean Territory's governance and recommended that it should be brought under direct rule from London, its constitution suspended and its government disbanded. On Thursday, the BVI's elected Premier was arrested in Miami on charges of money laundering and attempted cocaine smuggling. The 946-page report, however, was ordered last year for unrelated reasons. And word of the week. Haramadan. Arabic slang for partaking in forbidden activities during the month of Ramadan. And now, here's today's agenda. Mental health care for Ukrainians. Yulia Malinowska looks out from a window in an office building in Warsaw, Poland's capital, huddling over her eight-month-old daughter. She is safe after escaping from Ukraine, but her mind is in turmoil. Quote, The moment you accept your own death, something in you changes, she says. The World Health Organization estimates that of a total of more than 5 million Ukrainian refugees, at least half a million are suffering from mental health difficulties. That has overwhelmed the medical infrastructure of their Eastern European hosts, many of which have long neglected mental health. In 2016, Poland, for example, had one-third the number of psychiatrists per person as Germany had. To plug the gap in Poland, Psychology students who speak Ukrainian and Russian have been enlisted as volunteers. NGOs are also chipping in. Such efforts should help Ukrainian refugees to cope with the psychological scars of war. For many, they can run just as deep as the physical sort. Meta's Messy Moderation Violent speech is prohibited by Facebook, though over the past two months, the social media firm has tried to make an exception in Ukraine. When Russia invaded, Meta, Facebook's parent company, relaxed rules for Ukrainian users so they could express, quote, their resistance and fury. But on Saturday, the rules will reportedly revert to normal, even as Russia's war continues. The oddly timed change reflects Meta's chaotic monitoring of its platforms during the war. Its policies have seesawed. Users were allowed to call for Vladimir Putin's death, but only for a few days. Certain rules applied across Eastern Europe, then only in Ukraine. Moderators, who often have just 90 seconds to judge a post's acceptability, are struggling to keep up. Meta's challenges show the difficulty of developing clear and consistent standards, especially in volatile circumstances such as war. Elon Musk, who is buying Twitter with plans to revamp its content moderation policies, would do well to pay attention. New Zealand reopens its borders. New Zealand has been largely walled off from the world for most of the past two years. On Sunday, it unlocks its borders to citizens of 60 countries, including America and Britain. They can now visit without enduring isolation, provided they are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. 
New Zealand's restrictions have separated families and hurt tourism, the country's biggest export. On Wednesday, the High Court ruled that the closures infringed on expatriate Kiwis' right to return home. Yet the restrictions also helped contain the virus. COVID-19 killed fewer than 700 people in the country of 5 million. Life expectancy actually increased through the pandemic. Fully, 95% of those aged 12 and over have now received at least two shots. As Kiwis got jammed, the government abandoned its zero-COVID strategy. Daily cases have jumped this year. But widespread immunisation means New Zealanders are ready to live with the virus and to welcome back visitors. A torrent of true crime. Grizzly tales have long transfixed audiences. 16th century Britons, for example, devoured pamphlets about slain maidservants. More recently, Serial 2014, a podcast, and Making a Murderer and the Jinx, both 2015, two docuseries, heralded a true crime boom. Some have bemoaned the proliferation of stories about rape and homicide as voyeuristic. This hasn't stopped the tide. Now, American television viewers have three new series to lap up. Under the Banner of Heaven, adapted from a book by John Krakauer, was released on FX on Thursday. It dramatises the double murder in 1984 of a woman and her baby by fundamentalist Mormons in Utah. On May 5th, The Staircase, about a novelist accused of bludgeoning his wife to death in North Carolina in 2001, arrives on HBO Max. And Candy, about a Texan woman who took an axe to her lover's wife in 1980, has its premiere on May 9th on Hulu. Television executives, it seems, are out for blood. Weekend Profile J.D. Vance, candidate for Ohio's Senate seat. In the introduction to Hillbilly Elegy, the memoir that made his name, J.D. Vance noted that he was a, quote, absurd author for such a book. Aged just 31, he was, quote, not a senator, a governor, or a former cabinet member. Mr. Vance, who grew up poor in a downbeat Ohio steel town before proceeding, via the Marine Corps, to Yale Law School and riches in finance, is now trying to change that. He is a leading contender in the Republican primary for an open Senate seat in Ohio. The vote takes place on Tuesday. In somewhat romantic terms, Mr. Vance's book described Mr. Vance's book described a childhood spent among the Scots-Irish quote, hill people of the Appalachian Mountains, both in Ohio, where he was born, and in Kentucky, where he spent his summers with his quote, pistol-packing lunatic mama, grandmother, and auto-mechanic quote, papa. The book argued that among the white working class, culture explains poverty better than economic factors do. Quote, Hillbillies learn from an early age to deal with uncomfortable truths by avoiding them, he wrote. Mr. Vance portrays a place where people are proud and honourable, but refuse to do anything to improve themselves. Instead, they blame outsiders for their problems. 
Published in 2016, as Donald Trump hurtled towards the presidency, Hillbilly Elegy was a runaway success among precisely the sorts of people Mr. Vance now ridicules, such as New York Times readers. That year, he described Mr. Trump as, quote, cultural heroine, and reportedly said that he could become, quote, America's Hitler. Now seeking office, Mr. Vance has changed his tune. He says Mr. Trump is the first president ever to, quote, deliver on his promises. And America's problems, those are the result of Mexican immigrants and liberal journalists. Quote, the media calls us racist, his latest advert says. But, quote, Joe Biden's open border is killing Ohioans with more illegal drugs and more Democrat voters pouring into this country. A man whose most recent job was a venture capitalist now professes to know little about New York, except that he has heard, quote, it's disgusting and violent there. Will all this be enough to win Mr. Vance the Republican nomination and perhaps a seat in the Senate? Mr. Trump has endorsed his former critic. Mr. Vance is well funded, not least thanks to donations from Peter Thiel, a billionaire investor who was once his employer. In a state that gave Mr. Trump 53% of the vote in 2020, his victory would be probable should he prevail on Tuesday. Mr. Vance will hope that voters do not read his book too closely. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Henry Chu, Chengdu, China, North America, Alison Volweiler, Bethesda, Maryland, United States, Central and South America, Emilio San Marti, San Jose, Costa Rica, Europe, Karis Kopp, Bristol, England, Africa, Joanna Stanley, Johannesburg, South Africa, Oceana, Warren Tuay, Auckland, New Zealand. They all gave the correct answers, Missouri, Bismarck, Sark, Queen Mary, and Lusitania. The theme is famous ships. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Antonio Guterres, who was born on this day in 1949. We can't deter people fleeing for their lives. They will come. The choice we have is how well we manage their arrival and how humanely. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.